This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance, the September 15, 2021 issue of Zelma's Insurance Fraud Letter, the number 18 of the 25th year of publication, is now available on the internet through my website, zelma.com. In that issue is an article about the fact that the California Department of Insurance announced on September 7, 2021, that it had issued cease and desist orders effective immediately to four companies who allegedly engaged in selling home warranty contracts in California without proper authorization. Under the orders, the companies must immediately stop selling the contracts. To protect consumers from fraud, any company marketing and selling home warranty contracts to California consumers must be licensed by the Department of Insurance. According to Commissioner Ricardo Lara, California consumers place their trust in home warranty companies to provide coverage when something breaks. The licensing process is intended to protect consumers and ensure ethical standards and practices. Commissioner Lara claimed that his team works diligently to help companies understand and meet these standards, and when they do not, the commissioner takes decisive action. The cease and desist orders were issued to Complete Care Home Warranty, Global Home Protection, Fundamental America LLC doing business as Priority Home Warranty, and First Premier Home Warranty. The department issued an investigation after receiving a complaint from a consumer alleging that these unlicensed home warranty companies were marketing and selling their plans in California. During the investigation, Department of Insurance investigators using aliases visited each of the company's websites and obtained multiple coverage quotes for California addresses. After initially receiving the quotes by emails, the companies then sent multiple follow-up emails to the investigators in attempts to sell the warranty contracts. Consumers are advised to check the license status of a company before purchasing a policy and contact the department at 1-800-927-4357 or 1-800-927-HELP if they expect or suspect that they are victims of fraud. In addition, the September 15, 2021 issue contains an article concerning why an insurance fraud indictment was thrown out in the state of New Jersey because of inadequate presentation to the grand jury and because the prosecutor improperly relied on an insurer's fraud investigator's inadequate investigation 
to indict a physician and the physician's assistant. New Jersey state insurance law requires insurers to maintain a special investigative unit, an SIU, to investigate and report insurance fraud to the state. After the report is made, the state must conduct its own investigation to determine if a prosecutable fraud occurred. In the state of New Jersey versus Ivan Jeanette Rodriguez and Marta I. Galvan, Lisa Ferraro, an August 25, 2021 decision of the appellate decision, it was faced with three appeals after the state contended the trial court wrongfully dismissed, without prejudice, a six-count indictment. The state alleged that Rodriguez practiced medicine without a license. Dr. Ferraro and Rodriguez fraudulently billed for Rodriguez's services and Galvan joined Rodriguez and Dr. Ferraro in conspiring to commit this fraud. The state asserted it presented sufficient evidence to survive dismissal and urged the court to reinstate the, the indictment. The indictment is the second attempt to indict the doctor and her assistant. The trial court dismissed the indictment without prejudice, holding it was palpably deficient in its failure to produce any testimony before the grand jury to support the dates set forth in the indictment. Although Dr. Ferraro knew Rodriguez was not a licensed medical doctor in the United States, still, when speaking with patients, Dr. Ferraro would refer to Rodriguez as Dr. Rodriguez or Dr. Yvonne. Although Dr. Ferraro said most of the time she would come into the room to go over Rodriguez's impressions of the patient with the patient pre present, Dr. Ferraro acknowledged there were times when she did not do that and instead submitted billing orders based upon, solely upon, Rodriguez's exam and impression. Rodriguez told the grand jury that her effort to secure a license was stymied by her failure to obtain a residency. Instead, she worked as a medical assistant first at St. Joseph's Hospital and then for Ferraro. Menendez, an insurer's SIU investigator, described how his audit of a random sample of 100 patients' files led him to conclude that Dr. Ferraro's office received over $150,000 in payments for services that Rodriguez performed, but which the office billed in Ferraro's name. One patient told Menendez that Rodriguez treated her when Dr. Ferraro was not physically present in the office. By examining patient notes, Menendez claimed to be able to distinguish between Rodriguez's and Ferraro's handwriting. In dismissing the indictment, the trial court identified three flaws in the grand jury process. One, 
the prosecutor improperly referred to evidence that was not presented to the grand jury by referring to thousands of claims of health care claims fraud. Two, the evidence of the state did present was insufficient. The court noted that Mendentez's analysis was too speculative because it consisted of inferences drawn from unfounded inferences leading to a further inference. There was no proof that Rodriguez or Galvan obtained a financial benefit, and there was inadequate evidence regarding the scope of practice of a medical assistant. Three, the indictment lacked sufficient specificity regarding dates of treatment and the names of patients to provide defendants notice and a fair opportunity to defend. The prosecutor also improperly referred to additional evidence he did not present to the grand jury and presented a questionable analysis of the amount of money involved in the charged offenses. The indictment lacks sufficient detail to give defendants a fair opportunity to mount a defense. In the opinion of the fraud letter, SIU investigators are typically insurance people, not police officers, nor are the investigators working for the prosecutors. They are working only for an insurer, and they are required by statute to advise the state that fraud is suspected, not that fraud is proved. The state is obligated, before seeking an indictment, to gather evidence that supports a criminal charge. The state of New Jersey relied upon Mr. Menendez, an insurance investigator whose inferences indicated that fraud existed but failed to provide the grand jury with actual evidence. Although it is often true that a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich, no court will allow the trial to go forward against the sandwich, and that is why this indictment failed. The newsletter then reports on the fact that Claim School Incorporated provides insurance education programs, including the Excellence in Claims Handling program that I am developing for publication soon. Other courses are also available. In addition, the art. The newsletter reports on good news from the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud, where the coalition reports upon several insurance fraud convictions and sentences of insurance fraud perpetrators. Then there's an article about an insurance fraud that resulted in a murder, proving that insurance fraud is often a violent crime. A person by the name of Willie Hall appealed judgments of the Lucas County Court of Common Pleas in the state of Ohio following a jury trial conviction of aggravated murder 
burglary and burglary at, involving insurance fraud that sentenced him to life in prison. Hall tried to get out of jail by seeking the assistance of a court of appeal with regard to an Ohio statute. But what he was unable to explain was why when the claims on appeal centered around his theory that the victim, the, the person who was murdered, fabricated a burglary in order to conceal his illegal enterprise and to perpetrate insurance fraud, and that the prosecutor used this false crime to bolster the evidence relating to the murder charge. An appellate court, reviewing the entire record, weighs the evidence in all reasonable inferences, considers the credibility of witnesses, and determines whether in resolving conflicts in the evidence the jury clearly lost its way and created such a manifest miscarriage of justice that the conviction must be reversed and a new trial entered. As to the appellant, the charge of aggravated murder required proof that the appellant, Willie, purposely caused the death of another while committing or attempting to commit or fleeing after committing aggravated burglary. Reviewing the evidence presented to the jury, the state provided sufficient evidence to support the convictions. A rational trier of fact could conclude that while Mr. Ward lied about various details of the burglary, he was honest about the fact that there was a burglary, and finding the glove in the back bedroom, appellant's DNA found on the glove as a major contributor in the matching glove found at his home was sufficient evidence as to each incident, including the burglaries as well as the murder. The jury's verdict relative to the burglary and the aggravated murder were supported by the weight of evidence. Appellant's convictions were supported by sufficient evidence and were not against the manifest weight of evidence, so the judgment was affirmed. The murder victim accused the burglar who later entered the victim's house a second time after the victim tried to profit from the burglary. <laughs> He was granted his wish by being murdered by the burglar on his second effort. Insurance fraud had nothing to do with the crime of murder, but did give the murderer at least some excuse to the claim the crime had nothing to do with the burglary. It was, it was not even a good try. Insurance fraud's a dangerous crime. And in this case, it resulted in the death of the fraudster who made the mistake of accusing the person who perpetrated the crime and who later killed him and will now spend the rest of his life in prison. Zelma's insurance fraud letter then lists health insurance fraud convictions from the 
U.S. Attorney's Office and various states' attorneys, and a listing of other insured fraud con insurance fraud convictions from as far away as South F Africa and to as close as the United States and the states of California, among others. The newsletter also refers to free insurance videos provided and published by Claim School, and a fact that there is now available from the Zalma Insurance Claims Library new books and a total library of insurance claims handling books. If you found this video to be useful or interesting, please pass it on to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and clicking on the like button or the rumble buttons if you found this video useful. Subscribe to my blog so that you can learn about future blog postings and to my Substack publications, where you can also learn about my blog postings and my twice-monthly publication of Zalma's Insurance Fraud Letter. It is available in PDF format. It is available by email to anyone who subscribes to the Fraud Newsletter, and it is available to anyone who asks for it. The best way to find it is to go to my web website, www.zelma.com, and click on the link to Zelma's Insurance Fraud Letter. Thank you for your attention.